What's up, Rich Friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. I was scrolling through TikTok the other day, and this guy was running around the streets of New York asking people whether they'd rather have a job that they loved, which paid very badly, or a job that paid very well, but that they hated doing. Now, more than ever, people are ready to pack up and upend their lives for an exciting career opportunity or to go chase their dreams. And this mindset is inspiring, but is it also irresponsible? Times have certainly changed since our parents' and grandparents' generation when it comes to toughing it out at a job you don't enjoy. Today, we are talking about juggling happiness, job security, and what you can do for yourself to financially prepare during this transition and decision-making process. There's nobody better to help guide us than, and I quote, a comedian with a thick neck and thin ankles, actress, podcast host of Absolutely Not, and shining star of the Comeback Tour. Everyone, please welcome Heather McMahon. Before we dive into that, today's episode is sponsored by our advertising partners at Marshalls. Dressing for the job you want doesn't have to break the bank. Your closet can actually be a place where you save. Marshalls gets the deal, so you get the good stuff. And when you get great savings on the good stuff, you have more to actually invest in your career. Marshalls is the one-stop shop for the biggest trends in fashion, footwear, decor, and beauty, all for less. With high-quality merch from designer labels to up-and-comers, you're able to shop a wide selection of product in-store and online at an amazing price. Hi, honey. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to see you again. And thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan. You already know this because you came on my podcast, but I am such a big fan. So let's let it rip. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) I have the hard hitting questions. Great. Um, You know, I'm so excited to chat because I'd like to think in another life, Mm -hmm. I was a comedian because I think I'm funny. You're very funny. Only I only laugh at my jokes. Like my fiance does not laugh at them. (laughs) And I want to go, you know, way, way back. Let's, let's rewind. Talk to me about your childhood. I'd love to know, were you always funny? Were you always like the entertainer in the family? Like were people like, ah, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense that Heather became a comedian. Um, yes. I mean, to really go back when we have some home video somewhere, um, that my mom asked me, I'm like four years old. She's like, what do you want to be when you get older? And I said two things, a lifeguard or a a funny girl. Like I thought that's what a comedian (laughs) was. So, you know, and I'm not a great swimmer, um, even though I have the, you know, the wingspan, I mean, I crushed the butterfly stroke, but I, I was, you know, a swim team. I, I preferred the chicken tenders before the, the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so no, I, I was always funny, but my whole entire family, like my sister's an attorney, she took the smart route. Um, but she's super funny. We both went wittiest in our high school and my dad was funny. My mom's funny. I just came from this family of like, if you sat at the dinner table with my, my parents and my sister, you had to bring your A game. It was a okay. savage upbringing. Like, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. My mom's from Boston. My dad was super Southern. You bring us all together. It was just, you had to be on your toes. And so it's funny to me when I'm around other families that aren't as sarcastic or dark humored as mm. my family. Cause I'm like, you know, we let it rip in our house and you gotta, yeah. gotta come in with like a thick skin. And I think it prepared me for not only the comedy business, obviously, but for a lot of other jobs that I had in my life. I was like, um, you, nobody can ever say anything to me that my own mother hasn't said to me. So I can right. handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Criticism. Definitely. I'm like, I got this. I got it. <laughs> I would say that's true too for like immigrant moms. Oh, for sure. But like they're not being funny. Like they're being serious. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just assholes. 
<laughs> yeah, my mom like grew up. She, I mean, she's from like the North End in Boston, like very Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her grandparents came over on a boat, like just kind of savage. Say, you know what I mean? Savage Italians in the best way. And um, so I get it. Yeah, there's no holding yeah. back. Like if I if something didn't look good on me growing up, my mom was like, oh my God, you know, you're going to go out that. And so I just, I, yeah. I just, um, when you get beaten down your entire life, it really, really <laughs> just sets you up for the real world, you know? What is, what's that line? It's like, oh, you know, to be funny in adulthood, you have to have gone through some serious trauma as a child. (laughs) For sure. For (laughs) sure. And it's funny because my sister and I will sometimes, you know, we'll go have a drink or something. And we're like, you know, you sit down with like your siblings and you're like, was this normal? You know? But honestly, like I am as thick as thieves with my family now. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess we, maybe it's, we just have a collective trauma. Like we all survived it together. Yeah. Um, just quick one yeah. off I need to ask, is there like a moment in your mind, like what was like the most savage thing your mom ever said either mm. to you or to someone in the family or just like, you were like, wow, my, that was a zinger. <laughs> well, it wasn't nowadays. I'm sure it, you know, we would get like dragged on TikTok or something, but I remember I was in homecoming court in eighth grade and my mom was, and I had this little dress on from Banana Republic. And my mom, as I'm walking down the homecoming court is like mouthing to me, like suck it in and stick them out. She's like, She's like, hold your shoulders back, stick out your tiny little eighth grade boobs and let them know. But she really just meant like, go in with the presence. And so yeah. it's funny, like I I now say that I'm like overly confident to a fault. Like I'll go out and could have a camel toe all day and didn't realize it. But I'm just like, <laughs> I can handle it. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. Yeah. You know what? She just wanted you to be confident. She wanted you to va va boom. She did. She wanted me to have confidence. And I don't, or it, even if she didn't, it went the other way. And now I'm like, I got this, mm-hmm. you know? I think it goes without saying that being a comedian is a very sought after job, right? Like who doesn't want to be the funniest person in the room? Mm -hmm. Thousands and thousands of people want what you have. And to put it really bluntly, very few people can actually make it work to a point of where they can afford for being a comedian to be their full-time gig. Yeah. Um, Like, was that a consideration for you? Like when picking this career? Here's the wild thing. And I don't want to say some like cheesy philosophical thing, but honestly, comedy kind of picked me. I always knew Mm. the funny thing was my dad was really successful in business and his biggest fear was for me to be a comedian. And it was only because I realized that parents, they parent out of fear, right? They just, it's the unknown that they're worried about. Mm -hmm. And my dad would write letters to my sorority house that they would read out loud in the chapter room about like top 10 reasons why I should join the air force. And my dad would send these letters to the sorority and everybody thought it was so funny because I was a theater major. My dad was just like, what are you doing? You should be in business. You should be doing something else. And then I think they kind of like, once they saw my SAT scores, they were like, maybe she will lean into the theater arts. Um, (laughs) But it it was really kind of a scary thing to to jump into. I mean, there is no safety net. I, you know, people now see the the payoff, but they don't realize Mm -hmm. that for 12 years, um, I have worked every job. I have done hospitality. I have been a nanny. I have been a personal assistant. Um, I've worked at every restaurant. I have been essentially a valet. You know what I mean? I've done every job you can imagine in the hospitality world that just kind of kept fueling, um, you know, those, my ability to pop around and, and do shows and do improv and do stand up. And finally, you know, what do they say? What's the famous quote that my daddy's always say? Uh, it's like, 
don't quit your day job, but when you're for your night job, when your night job starts yeah. making you more money, then you can quit your day job. And yeah. I never worked in corporate America. Thank God. I'm a full HR liability. Um, <laughs> I already know it. Um, but no, it was, it was kind of a leap of faith, but I always knew. And I think I said this to you on my podcast is like, I always knew that to me, comedy is sales. So I always yeah. feel like, all right, if I gave myself like a timeline, I'm like, if it doesn't happen until X, then I know I can go do real estate or something in sales. Like I could, I could mm-hmm. go out and sell medical devices literally yeah. like tomorrow. And I have some girlfriends yeah. that are in that biz. I'm like, you need a new hip? I'll go, I'll go yeah. do the sales call with you, <laughs> you know? And you talk about all of these other jobs and hospitality and, you know, what you were doing before you were a comedian. Yeah. Um, can you just give us like a quick timeline over that 12 years? Be like, okay, this is my first job. This is my yeah. second. And then tell us the shittiest one. I think we mentioned this yesterday, but I want, I want all the listeners to know. Yeah. So, okay. I graduate college at the university of Mississippi. I move up to New York and I started bartending and waiting tables. And honestly, I, I had this theory. Okay. That, you know, like out in some other countries, they'll make you serve when you turn 18, you have to serve a year or two in Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, or that army for the military, if you will. I think in America, you should have to go work in a restaurant for at least a year or two out of high school. I, it taught me so much. I just think it is, everybody should have to work in a hospitality position at some point. Um, So I worked in restaurants for most of my 20s, moved out to LA. I started working at this famous gym called Soul Cycle. I mean, when I say that, (laughs) I know, the irony that I'm like the face of fitness was really wild. I almost got fired every other day because I would be eating like a Chipotle burrito bowl at the front desk. And they're like, hey, Heather, you're hungover again. And this is a gym. Can you not? Um, so I did that. And then probably the worst job I ever had was um, nannying for these really rich kids in LA. And the kids were so mean to me. I would get in um, my car every day and I would call my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And he was like, why are you letting these like 10 year old girls bully you? And I'm like, they're so mean. So that was <laughs> hands down the worst job I think I've ever had. Um, but it's also eye opening because when you nanny and you see the way other kids are raised, you're like, oh, I'll never do that. Like, I think it it will make me a better parent in the long run when I decide to have kids because I'm like, I will never let my kids turn into little shits like that, you know? And in terms of finances, going from, you know, the restaurant service industry yeah. to being front desk at a gym yeah. um, to being a nanny, did you say like at each step were your finances like getting slightly better or no? Let me tell you, when I moved to LA, it was wild because I made good money when I was in the bar biz service industry in New York. You know, that's a cash under the table kind of biz. And <laughs> um, and, I, and again, in your early 20s, you're, you know, you're working a weekend and you're making a couple thousand dollars. I mean, that's great. I could pay my rent. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, have some change over to go out. But when I went to LA, it was a rude awakening. I was making $12 an hour working front desk at a gym. But in my mind, I knew that's where I had to be because I was like, I need, I, you know, uh, people in the industry are vain. Where are they going to be every day? They're going to be the hottest nightclub literally is soul cycle. So I got to meet producers and other actors and I was funny at my job. And also I kind of like, Willy Wonka did a bit where, you know, these celebrities would want to get into uh, a class and there's a wait list for the class. So I would give them my personal, I literally had business cards and I'd hand them my business card and be like, well, you can, you know, text me and I will see if I can get you into the class. And like the nice celebrities, I would like book them in. And then the ones who are assholes, I was like, sorry, 
can't get you off the wait list. Like I was the gatekeeper with the golden ticket to take a spin class. You were the bouncer. I was fully the bouncer. And, um, I did love that job, but when I say I'll never forget the lowest point financially I ever had, I mean, I was scraping pennies together. I had gotten some chicken at Trader Joe's and I called my mom. I was like, mom, I don't know if this chicken smell is bad. And she's like, how do you not know if chicken's bad? And I was like, I, I don't know. And she's like, Heather, yeah. if you're even thinking about it, it the chicken it's is full. And I went yeah. back to Trader Joe's and I returned bad chicken for my $3 because I was like, I am, I'm holding on to every coin I have. Um, but the wild thing is the way I survived in LA, I went on a game show and I won $10,000 and then, yes, I went on this game show called celebrity name game. It was only on for like two seasons and they paired myself and my manager at soul cycle up with two celebrities. It was Scott Wolf from party of five and Cheryl Burke from dancing with the stars. And we ended up winning. It was like a trivia game show. We ended up winning and I won, uh, $10,000 and that's how I paid my rent for a year is because I I went on a game wow. show. So there were these little like, you know, magical moments that kind of helped yeah. me get across the finish line. And then I started nannying for the really rich billionaire. And that's how I paid my rent. But that was the most soul draining job of my life. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, up and coming Heather mm-hmm. is dealing with money. You know, what about little Heather? Did you grow up with money? You know, you mentioned your dad was very successful yeah. in business. Like, where would you categorize your family as like, you know, uh, working class, middle class, upper middle class, like upper, like, so when did I, you ever worry about money as a kid? Yeah. As a kid, I did. When my dad first started his business, I remember, um, <laughs> my mom has this like very distinct memory. We were at the grocery store and I told my mom, I'm like, you know, five years old. And I told her, I said, mom, we can't get that because we don't have a coupon. And that's the day my mom went home and was like, Kyle, we need to figure out this business plan because you know, I mean, my parents met working for Eastern airlines that then went defunct. You know, my dad was driving the lavatory truck. My mom was a gate agent. So they built kind of my dad's business together. So, I mean, we didn't really, we, we weren't really comfortable until I was probably in like junior high. And then my dad had a lot of success. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, started at humble beginnings, but then, you know, I never had a want or a need. I was very blessed. Um, so I came from, but in a way I also came from a background where it was like, I saw my dad, pull himself up by the bootstraps and create this thing. And so there was that added pressure to be like, when you come from a family where one of the parents is an entrepreneur, it's like, well, of course that's what you're going to do. So for me to go out on a really wild limb to be like, I'm going to be an artist. My dad was like, are you out of your mind? You've seen the struggle. What are we doing here? Like, don't be an idiot. So, um, but no, I, I, I didn't have to pay for college. You know what I mean? I I was very privileged. That's great. Um, and you know, I hate to bring up a painful topic though Fine. before I will say before the podcast started, Heather made a very, very off color joke about this. So it's not me, the yeah. one who's saying this, but you know, your, your father passed away at age yeah. 57 mm-hmm. back in 2015. Um, how did that impact your career? Did it change the way your family was viewing those finances? You mentioned like, you know, they kind of got into that success through junior, like junior high time for yeah. you, but like, did that change your perception of risk taking now that you were like, well, what about my mom? Am I going to have to help take care of her? Yeah. Okay. That is uh, such a great question. So layered too. Um, well, many things happened, right? So first when my dad passed, obviously, thank God we were left in a comfortable position, but what's wild yeah. is when somebody dies and they were had any success, people will come out of the woodwork. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was the wildest thing. I protected my mom like a, a grizzly bear because, you know, we had... <laughs> 
random people coming out that we didn't even know was like, oh, your dad said he was going to give me a loan to start this business or whatever. And my mom's like, absolutely not. Never heard of you. Like people are very shady. So I got the taste of money makes uh, really just, it makes people disgusting sometimes. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, listen, I deal with, uh, it's, I deal with not a regret, but it's kind of wild. My dad never saw me have success in this business. And just for the record, when I decided to go out on my own and pursue acting and comedy, like my parents never helped me. It was like, you know, my dad was like, you're on your own. You want to do this? My dad used to always say, um, instead of YOLO, you know, you only live once. My dad used to say, yo, yo. He's like, you're on your own, bitch. Like figure it out. (laughs) That's why I worked every job. So I always had a really good work ethic. It wasn't like, oh, my parents had money and they were just like gonna, you know, pay my way uh, out in LA. Hell no. It was dark times, but I did it and it's made me such a better person. Um, But it is on the other end, like my dad never got to see me have success. So it's bittersweet. You know, I didn't have any success. Things didn't start to pop off until after he had passed. And I had a real oh shit moment. I was living in LA, pinching pennies, working the front desk at a gym. My dad passes. And I thought I was coming home to move back to Atlanta just to kind of help my mom figure out the new normal. Right. And my sister was here. Thank God. And then I stayed here a lot longer than I expected, but it wasn't until my comedy took off because I think I was like oddly mourning in a real uh, cathartic way by putting stuff on Instagram and social media. People thought it was hysterical. I was having a nervous (laughs) breakdown. I would take like a Xanax at night and drink a glass of white wine, but apparently- you know, cause I had gone through this traumatic experience of losing my dad to cancer. Everyone was like, well, you'd never been funnier. So it's a real double-edged <laughs> sword. Um, and listen, I have a very, you know, my dad, this is what my dad would have wanted. He's like, go tell those funny stories, go, go out there yeah. and live your life. So to answer your question, I'm sorry, really threw a lot out there. No, 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 this is good. It made, it opened my eyes to a lot of shit. It put a fire under my ass. And it also made me realize too, that life is short. I was like, all right, my dad never got to see me be successful, but now I'm going to turn this pain and this fear into let's go balls to the wall. And I just full steam ahead. Yeah. It was like, I have nothing else Um, to lose, you know? Yeah. And you know, just let the record show Heather McMahon is not a Nepo baby. No, I am not a Nepo baby, but can I tell you something? I was just in London on the West End, and I saw Maud Apatow, the daughter of Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. perform mm-hmm. in Cabaret, okay? This bitch had the most incredible voice, and I'm like, she's talented. So mm-hmm. while I am absolutely not a Nepo baby by any means, my parents were like, you're on your own. Um, I will say, there's some talented Nepo kids out there. So shout out to Maud Apatow if she ever <laughs> hears it. <laughs> yeah, not a Nepo That's- baby. Didn't even have like a rich uncle who was like Hollywood adjacent. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, you move back to Atlanta thinking about like, I'm going to help my mom. Yeah. Um, take me back to that moment when you decided to move back into your mom's house. Yeah. Did you kind of feel like your life was over? Because I know for, I hope my parents don't listen to this. Right. I've seen that meme and it's so true. If you want to have a lot of money and zero mental health, move back in with your parents. Because <laughs> if I moved back home with my parents, I would, I would be in a dark, yeah. dark place. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to me about that experience and what you were thinking. Listen, I, I had never been depressed before. And then I moved home <laughs> and I became depressed. I was like, okay, so that's what that is. Um, yeah. 
But, you know, it's interesting. So I moved home. I I mean, you just, first of all, when you're grieving period, it's a lot of self-loathing. And then I moved back home into the environment where I would go out and see all my dad's old business buddies and his golfing buddies. And I then realized my perspective changed when I said, wow, not only am I grieving, but other people are grieving for the relationship that they had with my dad, who Mm -hmm. was such a great guy. And I, it kind of like changed my mind. I was like, well then, you know, I also got to like kind of work my ass off for these other people who are close to my dad. And I look just like my father, shoulders and all. So they were always constantly like, oh, you know, I'd walk into our, our golf club and people would just be like weeping, like you look like Kyle. And I'm like, I can't handle this today, Mark. Like, please quit crying. Um, but no living. So I, after, after things started to pop off, I moved up to New York with my husband and then the pandemic hit and we decided to move back with my mom, um, which again was like, oh, oh, whoa, 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 so I moved whoa. in twice. I have moved in twice. No, 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 no. Yeah. What? Yeah. You moved into your mom's house with your man. With my man, which is so funny because my mom treats my husband like king of the castle. And oh, we, and she so mean to you. Oh yeah. It's, and, and the funny thing is there are moments where I realize now, like Jeff and I joke, if we're driving to dinner, my mom's in the back seat. She's looking on her phone, laugh, giggling at her TikToks. And it's like, it's like having a toddler in the back seat watching yeah. their iPad some days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but you know, I also have the perspective that I lost my dad and I would give anything to have one more minute back with him. So even the crazy yeah. days where my mom still treats me like I'm 13 and puts like important financial statements in a basket somewhere in my room, you know, like, like you have, you get your laundry in a basket. Yeah. You know, she'll literally be like, have I throw you shit in a basket? I'm like, mom, these are, I, this is my tax returns. Like I, you got to be putting everything <laughs> in just some random basket. I don't know what's happening. Um, but I sit sometimes at the table and I realize I've married a version of my father. And even to like what they ate for breakfast and my mom and I just laugh. So I will say to keep my sanity, I stay on the road and travel so that when I come home, I get to enjoy my mom before I strangle Mm. her. Yeah. That's, that's really nice. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Style and confidence go hand in hand. And when you feel better, you'll look better, which reminds me it's getting colder. AKA peak layering season is upon us. Shout out to our advertising partners at Marshall's where you can find the best on-trend, high-quality fall layering staples all at an amazing price. This season's jackets, dresses, knits, and boots will have your closet on point for the colder season. Marshall's makes it possible to get the good stuff for less no matter what you're shopping for. What At any point, were you like... Not so much necessarily about the actual experience of moving home, but were you worried about like the stigma of moving home and how it's like not cool? Like, were you embarrassed? So embarrassed. The first time after my dad passed, I was really in a low spot. I was in my late twenties and I'm like, okay, we're starting from scratch. Cause I felt like I'd been taken out of the biz in LA, but here's what I want to tell some listeners, especially people who are thinking about being in entertainment. But I think this applies to a lot of stuff. The minute I left was the minute they wanted me. So I Uh think you like kind of when they say like a body in motion stays in motion, work begets work. If you keep rolling and you keep moving, they'll call you when you're sitting there and you're ready, available, they don't want you. So as soon as I left, all of a sudden people started to take interest, even though I had been grinding in the biz for forever. Um, But yeah, to, to answer the, to answer the question, the stigma of telling people like, Oh, so you moved home. And I'm like, yeah, I live with my mom. <laughs> you know. But nowadays it's funny, even with success, I'm like, yeah, bitch, I live with my mom and we're doing our thing and we're going shopping at Zara today. So watch out world. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you and your mom sound like you guys are super close. So I have a question yeah. um, on behalf of mother McMahon. Yes. 
when you moved home, yeah. uh, you know, were you living comfortably? Were you helping with the bills? Yeah. Or were you like a slug like me when I visit my parents on holiday? I do not move from that stupid brown couch. I do not help with anything. I, I am king of the castle, king of yeah. the castle. Like I literally, I love sometimes going home because then I'm like, they're going to cook for me mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have to help with anything. Yeah. But like, since you were there for a longer period of time, were you helping with finances? Oh, fully helping with finances. And my husband and I too, now we have redone a lot of the stuff in the house and um, mm-hmm. it's, we're kind of making it our own. And, you know, my mom was going to sell the house right before the pandemic. Cause she's like, I don't need this. And honestly kind of thank God that she didn't. Cause now we're, mm-hmm. you know, going to buy the house and putting our time and effort and money into it. And, and my mom is also so funny. Like she's clearly set and, you know, it hasn't paid for a dinner in three years, but you know what? <laughs> that is the biggest blessing to me. The fact that I even am in a position to be here. Um, you know, a lot of my friends like, Oh, how do you live with your mom? And I'm like, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's complete chaos, but I love kind of being, it's interesting. I'm recording this podcast right now in my dad's old office that I've now made my office. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's wild what will happen in life and kind of, um, it's kind of like full circle, you know? And now my, my, all my knickknacks are up on the wall, uh, instead of my dad's. And it's just, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing in a weird, weird philosophical way. Yeah. I like that a lot. And did you learn anything about yourself while living at home? Like anything that you didn't know before or anything that you're like, wow, like I'm glad I got this experience. I will say, you know, as humbling as it can be and frustrating as it can be dealing with a, you know, feisty 75 year old from Boston and, <laughs> you know, trying to have those intimate moments with my husband where I'm like, I think my mom's making a cup of tea down the hall. Like I could hear in the kitchen and I'm like, you know, trying to have a hot moment. I will say, um, I will never be able to get this time back with my mom. And it's also yeah. taught me a lot about patience. There are days where I catch myself because we're all short with our parents always doesn't matter. Right. It's yeah. taught me, um, why work, why go out, why I hustle. And, um, it's just a greater sense of family. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to take a second to quickly pivot to the like more like successful era. We love that, you know, bad bitch era. I would say I would call myself a new money, bitch, new money. Uh, Right. We love that (laughs) new money, bitch. Um, and I guess like I have a question cause I'm genuinely curious and don't understand, but like how do you become a big time comedian? Right. Because like, I've seen, like, I think someone who's, I'm sure you've seen too, like recently is like hot boy, Matt life literally started making TikToks, And now suddenly he has a, you know, a countrywide tour that's sold out. Like, is that like, do you, like, how do you become a big time comedian? So that literally was my trajectory in 2019. That was me yeah. when um, now TikTok, I'm tra- having to catch up with these young kids. And, and, yeah. and Hot Girl Heather was yeah. 2019. Hot Girl Heather was, I mean, I was at the peak in 2018, 2019. And um, I did a tour and I sold out my tour and like, it was something crazy, like 60 seconds when we put the tickets on sale. It was wild. So I've been touring since 2019, took a year off for the pandemic, but that was kind kind of like the exact same trajectory um, and good for Matt Wright for doing uh, the, his shit on TikTok and um, <laughs> like everybody who's seen, listen, and back in the day, other comedians were pissed because they're like, well, you're just doing shit on social media. I'm like, yeah, because I was living in Atlanta at the time I would do clubs, but I wasn't in yeah. LA and New York. I would go pop in and do shit when I was in those 
areas, but I had to make the best out of a shitty situation where I was, you know, just my dad just died. And I was like, all right, well, I'm home. Let me make some shit. Um, So that was my outlet. But yeah, so then I started touring and then the podcast deal came and then it was just kind of a snowball effect. But touring, I think, is really how you make money. Truly. Yeah. Wait, can you, can you, do you mind uh, just talk to me for a second about like the finances of touring? Like, are you paying for the bus or the planes and like who pays for what? Yeah. Roughly. You don't have to tell me exactly. but Like what do you make from something like that? So it's different. I mean, I started in smaller clubs and then I worked my way up to theaters. So obviously the jump from clubs to theaters, it was like, Oh, Oh, this is nice. This is real nice. Yeah. Here's the only thing though, as nice as it is, what people seem to forget is I'm not in a band. So if I'm not having Mm. a good day, I still go out there and perform. It is the wildest, gnarliest job. So I also want to, I have young people all the time. We're like, I want to get into comedy. I'm like, you've got to be willing to be away from your family 250 days out of the year. You've got to be willing to be on the road. It's not a glamorous job. Like, yeah, when I played sold out radio city in June, it was the coolest experience of my life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick Quick little mic drop there. We like that. But, um, yeah, that was the biggest moment of my life, but it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, the, you're spending a ton of time in, you know, a, a Delta sky club in Cleveland, uh, you know, (laughs) on layovers. It's, it's a wild, it's a wild gig. I mean, I'm gone every weekend. I miss out on, I really relate to it. Like athletes, I'm not making it as much money as an athlete, but I've got friends who are football players and baseball players and they're gone every weekend. So from a social standpoint, I miss out on about everything, but from a, I'm living my dream and making money. It's the greatest gift in the world. And I'm kind, I wake up every day and I kind of wait for it to like all be a dream. Um, but so to answer your question financially though, yes, I, I produce the tour. So I pay for everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're front, like you're really taking a bet on yourself. You're like, I front the cash yeah. and then we make the money back. Yeah. Baby. Now, logistically, we have a promoter. So like my promoter is Outback. So they put their time and money into me and then they went and like rent out the theaters and then, you mm-hmm. know, we sell, sell the shit out of tickets. So then I make that money back. But um, like when it comes to all expenses, flights, hotels, everything, like I'm, I'm bankrolling that baby. Yeah. So my expenses are crazy. But again, I also believe you got to you got to spend money to make money. You know what I'm saying? That's right, baby. That's right. That is right. Okay. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of like advice mm-hmm. on career changes, if you could go back in time and talk to, you know, mm-hmm. up and coming Heather, mm-hmm. you know, when you decided to pursue comedy, like, is there anything that you would do differently? Is there any sort of tips that you would give to someone who wants to pursue being a comedian? I would say I could have set myself up better financially because there were times, there were times where I was like, I was just relying on the kind of night job thing. And I get it. Mm -hmm. Like you got to dive into your art, but I should have had more survival jobs. Like when I moved back to Atlanta again, I was depressed, but I was just kind of feeling a little sorry for myself. I racked up a lot of credit card debt um, because I was like, my dad just died. I need to go buy some sweaters. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I wasn't working. Now it paid off in the long run, but always constantly have some sort of stream of income. I mean, I could have been doing I could have been organizing people's homes. Like there, there were assistant gigs I could have been doing and I wasn't because I was just, you know, stubborn about it. Um, And the funny thing was my dad was in the credit bureau bureau biz and the mortgage biz. And um, so it was a real, I don't know, it's like sticking it to him uh, when I, you know, racked up a bunch (laughs) of credit cards because he was like, taught me about credit at a young age and I was an idiot about it. Uh, But no. And he's like rolling over Mm -hmm. and like, you're just like, 
Mm, well, yeah. And I really believe like I see some other people now where they're just like, oh, the next gig's coming. Hustle until it doesn't like you got to have right. something going on. And I never once had an ego about my jobs. Like, yeah, I was living at home with my mom and I was doing this or that. But I worked in restaurants and my, my very successful friends would come and sit at the bar at the place I was bartending. And I was like, whatever, I'm walking out with cash in my hand. It is what it is. Yeah. Never have an ego about work. Never. Yeah. It, it, that money is green regardless of what you're doing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's such a good yeah. attitude too, because I think there is a lot of stigma and a lot of like shame almost mm-hmm. around like, especially like, you know who I'm talking about. Like yeah. the people who are like, I am moving to LA. I'm going to be a yeah. waitress, dancer, bartender, actress, like the pseudo four job until something hits. And you had and, and to do that. Yeah. And the wild thing was when I moved to LA, I had worked at all these fancy, uh, you know, restaurants in New York and I couldn't get a job as a bartender or as a waitress server because I wasn't a porn star. So unless you're a model oh. or a porn star, you can't work at a restaurant in LA. And so I got out there and I was like, I'm so sorry. I have one of the best New York city serving resumes on the planet. And they were like, yeah. hey, can you show us your tits? You know, it was, <laughs> it was wild. And that's how I ended up at a gym. And I'm like, I'm not even that in, that in shape, but I was smart. I put myself in situations where I was like, I know I'm going to meet people. So even if you're not at your dream job, put yourself in the place. It's like, okay, you want to be a comedian? Go work the front door or go work the bar at the comedy store so that you are literally seeing comedians get up and do that thing every day. Yeah. Work at the restaurant I next door that. where they go to have drinks afterwards. Like just be a face that they will always see. And then when you're working on your own shit, when you pop off, they'll be like, oh, hey, I know you. Um, that's well, That was my strategy behind working at a gym. I was like, they're going to mm. see me, need me, want me. And then when I make it big, they're going to be like, we remember you. You know? Mm. Mm-hmm. So important because it is not what you know. It's who you know. You got to network, network, network. And your network is your net worth. It very literally is. Agree with you on that. But also like, don't be an asshole. Let me tell you, it's wild. I go into some of these theaters and I'm not naming any names in the biz, but like like some of these people, you know, I I say thank you to everybody. Just because my name's on the marquee, I am not better than a single person in that room. You shake every security guard's hands. Thank you to the merch guys, whatever. And it's like, I'll leave some places and they're like, God, the guy who was in here last night was an asshole. I'm like, your reputation is your biggest selling point. Don't be an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, stay on your ground if you need to about something, but just go in, be kind, be eager to work. And I think um, the universe will repay you. But also, I had to diversify my portfolio, if you will. Ooh, um, because I love. We love, because I think a lot of people saw like during the pandemic, like I couldn't tour. Thank God I had the podcast. Yeah. Thank God I was yeah. doing writing things. Like people see you in comedy and they think you're just doing one thing. I wear 17 different hats. And that's the way I've been able to have success. Because if, you know, another pandemic hits tomorrow and we can't be on the road, well, I can't rely on just that bit of money. I got to make sure I've got other form streams of income coming in so that your girl can pay for her 75-year-old toddler, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that you have your escape hatch, your eject seat, yeah. your plan B, your backups. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and to kind of, you know, wrap us up, mm-hmm. I want to take 10 minutes yeah. to do a quick lightning round Let's do of the best things, funniest things about you. So I want to hear about your biggest money mistake. Oh, my biggest money mistake. Well, knock on wood, it hasn't happened just yet, but I, I, well, I would say after my dad died, when I was just spending, I was grieving, I was 
Next thing you know, I had racked up a lot of money on credit cards and I had to cash in um, a Roth IRA that my dad had left me for like for me to start a business one day. I mean, I took a little bit of that money to pay off my credit card, which was not a great financial decision, Um, you know, but it was it was desperate times. And so I think living beyond your means, even now Mm -hmm. that, you know, people see the glitz and the glamour of showbiz. I'm really, I'm an old Navy girl. I'm a, I'm, I'm really simple. I'll treat myself a couple times a year, but I don't, I'm not out there at least a car through my business. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I still have my 2015 Jetta that's paid for. I'm like, I will drive that thing until the <laughs> wheels come off. I drove to our, uh, the pharmacy yesterday, to pick up my birth control and my Jetta. And I was like cruising. I'm like, you know, I don't live above my means yeah. that truly that's, that's what I have learned from that. Yeah. That's an excellent piece of advice. Um, what is your favorite thing about being a comedian? Um, the joy. Like the fact that my, if you were to like literally write out the definition of my job, I am getting on stage to take people out of their like bullshit that they're going through that day mm-hmm. to make them giggle. That's the greatest feeling in the world. It's it's just joy. It's joy. That's what it is. So that's the best part about being a comedian is bringing joy. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like if your job was just to make people laugh, like it would be like, I would love to have this job. I'm not funny enough to do this. Um, no, I also would like cry if someone was like mean to me. Um, <laughs> you're very witty. No, the thing is it's it, the jokes always on me. So like, I may not be this writing the smartest jokes. I may not, I'm not out there making some like huge political thought provoking statement. I'm like, I just knew if I stayed in my lane and spoke from my point of view and my perspective, it would reach the people that get me. If you get me, you get it. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, mm-hmm. like move on, you know? Uh-huh. Totally. Um, okay. Here's a really contentious one. Okay. Is your husband funny? Yes or no? Very funny. So funny. Oh, okay. So funny, but not traditionally funny. He is a grumpy old Italian man. I call him Joe Pesci okay. from Home Alone. He's bitching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm married to an Italian version of Larry David. Like that. So <laughs> that is who I'm married to. He makes me laugh harder than anybody. We went to, um, <clears throat> we're both fighting like a cold. So we went to the doctor's office today. He's in there bitching and complaining. Oh, I got to fill out this paperwork. Like everything is a complaint. And I'm going, yeah. and of course, all the ladies who are the front desk or, you know, follow me and her fans. And I'm like, I'm sorry, my husband's being an asshole. He doesn't feel good. And they're, I'm like, men are babies and they're just dying. You know, yeah. I'm like, he makes me laugh because he's such a character. So yes, he's very mm-hmm. funny, but to everybody oh. else, he's probably an asshole. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I typically ask people who their favorite follow is, but mm. I'm going to ask who is your favorite comedian? Ooh, great. Well, I will say you're one of my favorite follows because you give me Ooh, stage advice. I love that. I was fishing yeah. for that. Yeah. So yeah, I got it. My favorite comedian of all time was the late, great Joan Rivers. She's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I got into comedy. Um, if you've never seen her old documentary, A Piece of Work, it is one of the most, it's one of the coolest pieces of art ever, but she is, was paved the way for women in comedy. So I loved her, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, um, any of the, the, fantastic females. And I love, you know, there's tons of guys that I love too, but let's just give it to the ladies today. Yeah. I love (laughs) that you picked a woman. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, what is the most worth it purchase you've ever made that you were like, wow, I would do this a gazillion times over best purchase of my life. 
Best purchase so far is I went back to my college town and I bought a rental property. So now I rent it out for uh, football games. I went to the University of Mississippi, uh, hottie toddy. And so I decided- She's a Southern gal. She's a Southern gal. So I said, when I started making money, I'm like, let's go buy something that's going to create passive income. So um, we bought an Airbnb. I mean, hopefully knock on wood, it's going to do well this year. But that's, I, again, when I, when I- started making money. And honestly, Whitney Cummings was one of the ones who told me don't spend money. She's like, don't go be buying stupid shit. She's like, think smart, think like a business person. And so I try and channel, you know, her sage advice. And I channel my dad to be like, go spend that money on real estate. You don't need jewelry. Mm -hmm. You need real estate. Is the Airbnb Mm -hmm. like Heather McMahon themed. It is. It is Heather McMahon themed. We're going to continue adding stuff to it. It's for me, I was like, I loved going back for football games and having this college experience. And I realized, especially in a lot of these small Southern towns, there wasn't anything that was catered to women. Like you want to be on a nice couch. You want things comfortable. I want you to be able to walk in the door and we'll have a bottle of champagne waiting for you. So yes, it is. It is me themed because there's a lot of women who want to go to the football games and tailgate and have a fabulous nostalgic weekend as well. It's not just for the boys. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. We call it the Heather Hype House. Oh, that is <laughs> yeah. a good name. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. Can you tell us, ravioli, ravioli, give me the formuli. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with your jokes? I guess technically a, um, the... <laughs> A formula for a joke is an element of surprise, but for me, I am, uh, I've crippling ADHD. And so my head is like a pinball machine, like ping, ping, ping back and forth. So whenever I have a funny ism, even if it's just a thought, like like yesterday I was sitting in my car and I'm like, what happened to waterbeds? I literally in that split second have to either leave a voice memo or write a note that's like, what happened to waterbeds? And then sometimes a joke, the punchline will come up later. And then I keep meticulous notes on that. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It comes to me on a whim, but I write a lot of my stuff on the road on stage. Mm. Yeah. Wait, like you just like come up with it and you just test it then and there. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people do that, but it's, yeah, I'll have like ideas of things I want to discuss. And then I don't know. It just kind of comes to me. I do a lot of writing on the road. Yeah. Okay. So follow up to this. Yeah. When you are on tour and you're performing, uh-huh. like some of these sets are like an hour long. Like, do you write out a whole script or like, how do you remember? Like, do you like Mulan it and like write it on your wrist? Like, these are the order that the jokes come in. And yeah. then like, you kind of like look down your sleeve. Like, how do you remember? So my shows are particularly long, like 90 minutes. And I've had to cut because yeah. I, I, I have fun when I get up there. Like I'm a real show, show gal. Um, yeah. no, I kind of have like my set, my outline of notes, you know, I'll have like keywords, like waterbeds, you know, Italy, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know my husband. And then I kind of ping pong around, but I really enjoy crowd work too. And I think it helps to in comedy to be, um, have crickets crippling ADHD. Cause I'm able to like go to something, do some crowd work, come back, have a call back. Like my brain just kind of works mm. like it's swirling all the time. So it works to my advantage. But again, that's why I could never work in corporate America. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm good at standing in front of like 4,000 people making them giggle. But if you ask me to like analyze your finances and make you a spreadsheet, I would have a full blown panic attack meltdown. Um, tell us about a moment that you are most proud of in your career and don't say radio city, so like selling out radio city, because we know that one. And I love that one, but I want to hear about something else that you're just like, wow, like I'm really proud of. I'll tell you what, in the words of Nike, just do it. I feel like I had felt this intimidation for the really, for the longest time. Like, oh, I, 
like, I can't do this. Or I always knew I could do it, but I produced my own comedy special that we just sold recently. And so it'll, it'll come out an announcement in like the next couple of weeks. And I produced it myself and I paid for it myself and I did it. And I remember it just seemed like such a large task. Like, okay, I'm producing this, this thing for the first time. And I remember when I walked off stage after you shoot over two days. So the second night I wrapped it, you know, that's a wrap. I walked off stage and I just lost my shit in the most cathartic way. Cause I was like, damn it. I did that. Like, why did I ever second guess myself? And I love the quote. You only regret the things you didn't do. Never the things you did do. Even if I would have spent the money and it would have been a flop, at least I fucking did it, you know? And it was a success. And I remember walking off stage and just being like, we did that. I did that. You know what I mean? Like, hell yeah. So I think you have to invest in yourself. And that was probably one of the coolest things. And now a year later, it's, um, we're, you know, the, the ink is drying on the contract and it'll be out for the world to see in October. And I'm, I'm just beyond thrilled. It's wild. I can't wait to watch. Yeah, very excited. That's amazing. Yeah. And okay. Final two questions. Yeah. One, if you were not a comedian, what would you be? Real estate agent or medical sales oh. device. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yes. We're going back to sales. I could go and flirt with doctors. I could go do an open house and have like a charcuterie tray, sell townhomes like hotcakes. I would absolutely be in some sort of Love sales. It. Mm-hmm. Love it. And Last, yeah. and you can say no, but can you tell us a joke? Oh, just, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's see. Well, uh, just, a, just a joke. Um, well, you know, God, what do I want to say? Uh, listen, I'll tell you this, okay? Because I'm not a knock-knock joke kind of gal, but tune in, I think October 10th. I, fuck, I can't even tell you where the special's going to be. Or come see me at heatherontour.com. Okay, you know, Vivian, you really set me up because I'll tell you what, I'm not going to tell you a joke. I'm going to make money. So come get your yeah, tickets at heatherontour.com and see the comeback tour. And we're shooting our second special that I'm also producing myself in Atlanta, Georgia, November 9th and 10th or 10th and 11th. So come see me then. How dare you? I love it. How dare you try and <laughs> let me put out feet pics for free? <laughs> also, that is another thing I would also do. I would absolutely sell feet pics on the internet. If, Cause I have, a, do you have beautiful feet? I have very nice toe nail beds oh, nice. Um, and a wide foot, like an ob- obnoxiously huge foot. So mm. I feel like there's gotta be some, some level of pervert out there that's into a yeah, really yeah. wide cheddar block foot. I love, yeah. I love that. Okay. So <laughs> people can find your tour on your website, but tell everyone where they can find you across social media as well. I love it. You find me um, on TikTok and Instagram at Heather K. McMahon. My podcast is the Absolutely Not Podcast, streamed everywhere. And you can get your tickets at heatherontour.com and watch me shake my tits. I'm going to be in Vegas this weekend, Chicago the next weekend, and we're hitting the ground all, all year. So come see me. Obsessed. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. You're the best. Thank you for having me. And to all the ladies listening, Get your ass up and work, okay? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Tim, please. I watched the Kardashians last night. I was like, she really runs a lot of shit. She's got a lot of shit. <laughs> she does. Yeah. Love her or hate her. You got to respect gotta it. Got to respect it. Thanks for having me, honey. On behalf of myself and our advertising partners at Marshalls, thank you for listening to today's episode. Marshalls always has the latest high-quality, on-trend fashion, beauty, and home decor merchandise at amazing prices. At Marshalls, you can maximize savings and invest those savings in your future endeavors, like turning your passion into a sustainable career. Managing your finances properly does not mean you have to sacrifice quality in the areas that make you feel your best. Marshalls makes it possible to get the good stuff for less. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. 
If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!